0: The Late Lunch
2: with Blackstone Motors, now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk.
5: You're very welcome to Friday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thanks for joining us on the show once more this afternoon. Lots of chat for you over the next couple of hours or so, including helicopter parenting. What's it all about? And your gut. It's so important to your overall health
2: the late lunch with blackstone motors now open in dundalk beside the dundalk retail park the nearly new sale is now on at blackstone motors dundalk
5: move over fred astaire i'd say in the heavens gene kelly is jealous yes he is the man of the moment he is just brilliant isn't he and week on week he delivers fred Cook, afternoon Jerry, great to hear from you. I'm still in the game. Oh, you are still in the game and in the game big time. Oh, my God, last week, that moonwalk and the dance, you were brilliant.
6: Well, you know, that was a moment when, you know, childhood memories and you get to do something like that. If only I had the same, I loved all the Michael Jackson dancing, but once the tango started, which I knew as well, but if I could just have the same comfort in that than doing MJ... Oh, listen! Well, yeah, I, to get through. I thought you did
5: really, really well overall, and so the judge, so did the judges, and so did your growing fan base as well. Because through you went not a bother as well. Now there's a bit of a twist this week because you won't be dancing with the beautiful Julia no, Dotta.
6: No, no, this week I am dancing with Emily.
5: Okay, I'm dancing
6: with Johnny Emily Barker. Lovely. So, uh, that's what I'm dancing with and you know it's strange as well she's great now as well she's, she was telling me that uh, she was telling me that I need to own the stage but I can't even afford my rent <laughs> mind stop buying any stages or stuff like that
5: <laughs> he'll be on the next stage at a Kells if he doesn't get through on Sunday night I can tell you exactly yeah, yeah <laughs> anyway what's yeah. the dance this week what are you doing
6: I am doing the dobling Oh my so it's god great
5: fun, and I'm gonna be dressed up as a mean
1: matador. Oh
6: matador,
5: Fred. That's what you call them. Yes, the matador. You're the man. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for this one. But it's a very particular type of dance, isn't it?
6: well put it this way you know I've done past English I've done past Irish I'll have no problem with the past (laughs) Ed you'll come out it's a very different dance you (laughs) know what I mean and it's uh, this comedy naturally in itself you know I can't wait for you to see it now because it's so brilliantly funny and the technique is there I'm I'm quite comfortable with this dance but hopefully that'll show Sunday night
5: well I'm delighted to hear that because the moves are quite specific and they're quite measured as well but you're right it has that fun comic element to it which yes. will be right up your street what is she like uh, Emily compared to Julia are, are they are they quite different in terms of the way they, they've handled the week
6: well you know I'm not hanging out in salad bars as much as I am when I was with Julia that's the truth so uh, and it's uh, but you're definitely like these teams as well, these dancers like they're so professional and they they want the best and expect the best. So you know, and so it's so that's the same, that moment. And you can see the work that you did with John. So as you find what makes you you and works with that as well? Yeah, where you are, know, are you?
5: you mo- I I think you're in a wind tunnel there. Are you? I, where are you at the moment? I'm it's hearing called, a lot of storm Eric here, coming through the studio. Oh my I'll, god! I'll, I'll find an inside here, so you can uh, yeah. Oh, no, I got get inside. Just get inside and into a little bit of shelter there. Yeah, so it's 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 quite open there. And again, this week you've put in the time, you've put in the hours. You're really focused, aren't you?
6: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know, I'm. You know, last week, as I said to you uh, last Friday, you know, two weeks ago, Brian Redman said that my moves were atrocious. So I wanted to show that I'm learning and there's a journey here. So I did return with technique. Yes. Now, now so, uh, so, so I just have to put the hours in. There's no way around it. These dances just don't, don't fall on me like so.
5: And the situation when you're dancing a lot and putting in a lot more exercise week on week Uh, Is the belt continuing to need more holes to tighten it?
6: Do you know now, all I need to do now is start doing planks and I've got a six pack.
5: That's where I'm at. (laughs) I'm just just trying to envisage that as I sit here today, Fred. But look, it's been wonderful, hasn't it? What week are we on now?
6: We're week seven next week. Brilliant. So week seven, yeah, week seven next week. And then and then week eight So it's uh, Now this week Even though No one's getting eliminated Like the first week Your points and votes Still carry on To the next week Okay Continuing continuing the assessment So it's getting It's still great fun But you can see it Getting a bit more uh, Spacer It's getting a bit more quieter You know Darren's not around Eilish isn't around Holly isn't around Yeah So you know you, You can feel that So you know It's just great to get This far so far And I'll keep pushing at it
5: Okay, so I want to remind our late lunch listeners again, as I do every Friday, and I want to do for many more Fridays. On Sunday night, you need to text FRED to 53125. That's the number, 53125. Put it into your phone. Put a reminder in there today and vote, vote, vote for this man from Kells that we keep the North East in Dancing with the Stars this year with his new partner, Emily Barker, this week. Fred, we'll all be watching. We'll all be voting. We wish you well be back here with me next Friday. You're listening? So you listening. You will. Jerry. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. And this song, this is especially just for you. Have a listen. You are the Dancing Queen. See you, Fred. <laughs> It's often said, trust your gut when it comes to making a decision in life. Well, my next guest goes a step further in that she believes our intestines and what we feed them and how we look after them is actually the key to good health and happiness. I'm delighted to welcome her to late lunch uh, this afternoon. Spotted a feature on her in the weekend newspapers and says I have to have her. Well, she's in the hot seat today and I'm delighted to welcome Frances Flannery to the show. On Instagram, you can check her out your gut friend that's what she is on Instagram very important she's an author and founder of the Vitality Centre Clinics as well Frances you're very welcome to the show
3: thanks Jerry. it's lovely to be here and
5: thank you for coming <laughs> this very Friday tell them first you have big big connections with this area and this neck yes. of the woods you're a Meath girl
3: I am I grew up just outside Navan. Uh, in Bechtdorf and uh, went to school in Mercy Convent. So very much uh, a strong connection with the lovely county of Meath. Mm. You were
5: born in London though, were you?
3: Yes, my family, me and my sister were born in London.
5: And you Um, came here when you were very young, I think you were about six, five, six and your sister maybe a year or two older. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing and I want to tell them this straight away, Mm -hmm. tragedy Mm. struck your family very quickly, Mm. didn't it? Yeah,
3: it certainly did. Yeah what happened sh- to your dad? It was a shocker. My father was uh, he was a, a property developer and he was working on a site in Ashburn again Mead and uh, a terrible you know they were working on something and it was just a tragic situation um he was electrocuted there's no easy way to say it and that was it was it was it was you know life changed very quickly you know mm. so
5: So your mum was left with the pair of you and no dad in the household <laughs> and really had to pick up the pieces and yes. boy did, did she, she pick she? up the she pieces. She certainly
3: did. Well she's a jahada lady. Or Originally, so they make them good and strong around here. <laughs> so there was no doubt that she was well able to get. Uh, What's your mum's name? Her her name is Elizabeth. Okay, and she's uh, she's listening now. So hello, ready. Elizabeth, and I believe you listen to LMFM all you, the time. Jerry. And like, oh my God! Now
5: look at my face. My gut is sending sending these red flushes to my face after you said that. There. This
3: is her favourite radio station.
5: <laughs> oh, isn't that just great to hear? Yes. And and she is she's a Cassidy, isn't mm-hmm. she? Uh, originally Belliestown. from Bellius Town. So Belliestown. people, I'm sure will know know her her, well but look at that woman had you two little things her mother was on the scene your granny though wasn't she
3: granny is from granny is from uh bellews a gardener herself a lovely a very big advocate of gardening and she came to live with us in our house and she took over our garden and that was my first kind of intro into it because she just created a living paradise um and i watched her do it so she transformed it into just you know a phenomenal yeah. thing and
5: you've nearly closed the circle now isn't it funny yeah. from then to now what you're actually up to yeah. but in between hey you've lived life to the full as well uh, graphic design you worked hard at but yeah. you, the going was tough there wasn't it, yes, it was with hard. that job you, you yeah. really said you were trying to do the work of three people yes, yes
3: yeah, I was in-house graphic designer for Brian Thomas
5: oh my word yeah, so
3: I, was very, I was very ambitious in design there was mm. no that's the life I saw yeah. I didn't see any other life and I thought that was where I was going I was full sure and it was it's a design is a very different world obviously and I was determined to make it so I really when I was given the opportunity it was the first in-house graphic design department I just ran with it maybe ran a bit too fast because I actually I think I actually burned myself and a lot of people now I run a clinic obviously and I meet a lot of people but the same story comes back again and again you know you just neglect your health and when the little things the things that aren't quite sicknesses start coming up like uh, gut health issues and various stresses and things, you just ignore them and push them down and that's certainly what I did and it, but it doesn't go away and of course ultimately you burn yourself out and you you know you, you, you gut health issues as we call it as an umbrella thing are very connected with that you Yes know.
5: and you made radical changes you decided and, and, and with your mum in consultation yes. with your mum because your mum is a highly qualified woman yes. as well and yeah. she deals with people all the time and yes. she, she was noticing that people were coming to her for help yes. and she talked to you and you sort of made the connection didn't you?
3: Yeah it was over a long period of time we kind of you know a lot of things happened but my mum was training uh, or doing a degree and she was a, a, a psychiatric nurse and she was really interested in the whole area of, she found the whole area of where a lot of people were very vulnerable in the, you know, in the mental health situation and she wanted to kind of help out in a different way so she became interested in psychotherapy and she was studying psychotherapy and I was fascinated with some of the things that she was telling me but I had no idea that they would connect in any way into what I was doing and later and later and on and on as I developed and things happened and lines crossed and coincidences happened but in, in the end of the heel of the Hunt. I remember reading an article in 2009, which really linked gut health to uh, mental health issues as well, um, and that was that was in the Harvard, you know, Harvard Medical Journal. But that's become very commonplace and very common mm. information. Now we know serotonin is produced in the bowel. We know 90 is, is of our serotonin is produced. And that's in what
5: the bowel. makes us feel good. good.
3: That's the feel good hormone. Yeah, that's our like our natural our natural highs, our, our happiness hormone. You know, so. It's it's, it's a phenomenon, and that's produced in your bowel. Let's just say it out straight. Yes. We say gut health. We're really yeah. we're talking about that section of the gut, the bowel. You know, when we're talking about gut health issues like IBS, constipation, diverticulitis, colitis all of these things that people walk around with that they you know they don't really want to think about a lot of the time constipation all these things you know people have bloating the thing and they make you feel very bad that's because your serotonin is actually produced in your bowel and when it drops or those areas become impacted or disturbed or your gut flora is disturbed through antibiotics so many things you know these things become problematic isn't
5: that interesting and we look for uh, other areas of the body and that to, as pointers but clearly yeah. and with you, with your studies and your work now yeah. You're saying definitively, this is key to our good health. And and you're the living proof of it, aren't you, yourself?
3: Well, yeah, I suppose I had. I mean, I overcame a lot and I don't yeah. think I would have overcome some of the things. I mean, you know, your mood can be affected. You can feel very bad and you can begin to externalise or think that life in itself, outside of your body, is, 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 is you know, affecting you. It, of course, it does. But the way you manage and handle yourself, your ability to do that, if you have a good and strong body and you are fundamentally, you know, strong and looked after from the inside out you can cope with an awful lot more than you think you can and I believe that was the foundation of building my own self up
5: Now you put this brilliantly I have to say in in your writing when you talk about uh, this whole area, you use the garden back to your granny yes, and those days yes. and, and and what you, what you lived through. You, you use the gardening analogy and you break it down into four parts yes. as regards good gut bowel health. Yes. So let's begin with the first one. When you talk about cleansing the bowel, it's like weeding the garden. You said you have to clean the soil up first before you sow anything in it. Yes. What are you talking about? How do you clean it?
3: Okay. So First of all, the fundament- so in my clinic, this is how I come up with this. Yes. I would have people come in to me for treatments and in, within three seconds, 10 seconds, they want to know the whole gut health thing. Where do probiotics fit in? How do antibiotics fit in? Where does fermented food, where does kimchi, kombucha, how does colonics work with it? Where do we do this? How's it going? Where does food come in? All these things. So here it is. The thing about it is, it's like this. We have to accept that everybody in the Western world has imbalanced gut flora. That's a fact. You know, so in, your, guard, your gut is just like a microscopic garden of different plants, millions and trillions, in fact, of them. So your bowel, we're talking about your bowel inside the lining of your bowel. It's like a garden, only microscopic. OK, that's the first thing. So what happens? Well, if we accept that everybody in the Western world has imbalanced gut flora, why is that? That's because of the way we have been medicating using antibiotics. So we accept that. And that's a medical fact. We do accept that. Um so let's consider the garden. What happens if you put weed killer? Because that's what the antibiotics are very like. They they want, you know, they are designed or targeting one bacterium, but they don't discriminate. So ultimately, they, you know, they do cause damage to all.
5: So you kill everything.
3: You kill everything. What happens then? Well, the very resilient plants, if you do that to your garden and you look out the window, if you look, put the weed killer on your garden and you look out the window a week later, you know, you're going to have a sort of a devastated garden. But ultimately, some plants will flourish and they will be the resilient ones. So in the garden, you're going to have things like weeds, ivy, thistles, nettles all coming up. Why? Because they went dormant after the weed killer got them. But then they came up because there was nothing to compete with them. So in your gut, it's like a microscopic garden. There's resilient plants. And the ma- major one that people know of, there's many, is uh, candida. And candida is a thing when we talk about imbalanced gut flora, we're really talking about things like and candida included. And it grows rampant there. So we get back to our four cycle thing again. So we clear. So why, why do we start with colonic hydrotherapy and things like that and clearing? And, you know, it's because we're ultimately clearing the excess like, like if you had a garden that was overrun with weeds, you wouldn't just throw the seeds onto it. You'd come in and you'd actually pull out physically as much as you can, the excess. So
5: you would do, to start off, yes. colonic irrigation Yes. on somebody. Is there another way of treating with that? Can you take anything orally that can do it as well or are you better going for... Well, you see the other end of...
3: Well, you, I mean, it's that, that's the thing. Everyone would like to think they could take something else for it, but what you're ultimately doing is killing fungal stuff. Then, so okay. you're killing more stuff again. You're kind of going at it the same way. And what you really don't want to do, if you're kind of putting, it's almost like another type of a weed killer. It's just targeting, and they don't, unfortunately, have a kind of a go to button on them. They do, in fact, go at all. You know, okay. so 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 you're you're kind of going the same way again. So if you're wanting to treat it naturally. Like, if you have symptoms of Candida, that would be like people, the obvious thing would be a white tongue in the morning, you'd yes. see brain fog people would have. That, mm. You know, there'd be itching of the skin and psoriasis. Eyes.
5: Discharges, things like that. That Sometimes. would manifest in extreme cases or whatever. Yes. Yeah.
3: But itchy eyes, itchy scalp and mood would be affected. And mass cravings for sugar as well is a real sign because the candida okay. makes you crazy. So you
5: would go for this? You would go for an enema or something like that? Have that done just once or does it need a number? Well,
3: in my clinic, that's another thing. We brought in a different approach because we knew because my mum was um, very experienced in medicine and I was very experienced in design. There was a kind of an aesthetic appreciation of what people w- like me will say I am absolutely not going in there to have that done you can forget about that you know so there was that because I was very into you know I was very the aesthetic and she was very the medical so we kind of put our heads together and we brought in a different methodology for doing it so we have a different treatment nobody touches you in the method it's what they use on Harley Street so we have a whole so different method of, of treatment but yes in the colonic hydrotherapy, yes, water is brought into the body and it loosens up fecal matter impaction, but also any, you know, kind of excess or, you know, yeah. stuff that's lining the bowel, that kind of candida and other bad fungals, because they're growing outside the wall of the bowel and they're actually physically there. Clear it out. And, um, you know, basically that that's the starting point. So we say this, the first step of the good garden concept is to clear.
5: OK, so you get that done. Could be one or more sessions?
3: Yeah, sorry, I forgot to answer your question there. Usually we do between one
5: and three. OK, so we get one that and done three. and we've done what you said there and we've taken the first step. What's next? What do you do then? So
3: we have to say, Jerry, what would you do then when you've cleared the garden?
5: Well, you'd start to sow seeds, wouldn't you?
3: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So that's where, you know, because we've all, you know, there's a lot of investment and research going into probiotics right now from, wonderfully, the the pharmaceutical industry are taking wellness more seriously, which is absolutely brilliant. But we're, so we're hearing, and these guys have powerful uh, marketing behind them. So they're really selling the probiotic. But the probiotic is just that, it is just a seed. And that's what it is. So like that, if you imagine the garden again, maybe think about if you want to put the seed in, the prep work is necessary but yes the second step is certainly the seed so the seed the probiotic is to your gut or bowel what a seed is in the garden to you know the various plants that you want to flourish. You want
5: to cultivate Full these cultivate, these are yes. the ones that you want to grow and yes. flourish in your garden then you mentioned probiotics and we hear the advertising we see all these products yes. what's best what do you what do you suggest
3: well there's only i mean the the main uh, the main things about probiotics are you know, the main one is lactobacillus. That's, uh, you know, and bifidus. They are the two main bacterium that really are.
5: And where do important. I get those? What should I take?
3: A couple of ways. Obviously, if you're trying to repopulate a gut. Now, a gut is a five, a bowel we're talking about. It's a five foot organ, very big. So you do hear, you know, wonderful things being sold. Uh, pharmacies and health shops sell. A very good quality, strong um, probiotic lactobacillus and things like that and bifidus so yeah, I would certainly recommend an oral probiotic. We also bring them in directly into your bowel because some studies show that they, when they pass through the digestive tract, the digestive tract is like the stomach I do mean you know if you take them orally they must go through your stomach and small intestine which is really designed to kill bacteria and these are good bacteria but mm. they're still bacteria to your body so a certain degree of loss of them. So really we bring them directly and doctors like Dr. Perlmutter, good health experts would you know would see and Say this is the best way.
5: So you introduce those again from the other side. Right. Stay with us on late lunch. (laughs) Come the other side of this next break. Very interesting lady, isn't she? She's with us on late lunch today. We'll be back in a moment to talk more with Frances Flannery. (laughs) Open up your Instagrams there as quick as you can. Check out this wonderful woman on Instagram, your gut friend. You'll find her there, no problem. And I'm chatting to her this afternoon on late lunch. This is so interesting, folks. And this is. A way, honestly, of improving our health. I know it myself, because I'm going to tell you, Francis Flannery, I, uh, through Nikki Kyle, our organic gardening guru, has me on, um, what did I tell you before we came on the other um, kimchi <laughs> no the other, not the other thing um, uh, the fermented the kefir nuts, the, uh, kefir do you know what I'm an absolute dope And <laughs> aren't, aren't I a great example for good gut health when I can't even uh, think of what I'm taking from my bloody you, gut that, anyway good. yeah kefir yeah, yeah. I take a little glass good. of kefir every day that's Wonderful. good isn't it that's that, good for the gut that's
3: a natural that, so that's a natural probiotic so that's a food uh, when food is fermented it produces lactobacillus you know in the absence of uh, uh, air you know, it produces uh, organic substances, produce uh, yes, lactose. Yeah. So it's one of the good ones that Fermented you can
5: take as food, well. Yeah. Okay, one. so there's two ways. You either uh, sow the seeds from uh, the bottom up or the top down, and it, that, that's your call w- w- when you uh, join Francis and our her, and her team. Now, here's the other thing. Then you have to. You know, when you saw the seeds, you have to feed them and nourish them mm. and take care of them. And mm. then that comes down to foods. You mentioned kimchi there. Mm. Is it good?
3: Absolutely. So these foods are, we would call, these are probiotic foods, you know, fermented foods that are made in this way. Now, just be careful because if you go, you know, p- people think of pickles, but pickles in the supermarket are slightly different. They're made from salt. So it's not that way. You need to be are ma- they making your own and I'll be posting stuff up about how to make your own soon. I have videos like kimchi, ca- 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 uh, sour kraut or, you know, kombucha. They're not difficult to make. You're talking about a natural process that has been used to preserve food for centuries. Okay, They're really not difficult at all and they are probiotic rich foods. Uh, That is, of course, Keeping your feeding your gut flora, we bring them in through the bowel as well. So we do probiotic enemas. Uh, okay, if you want to go that
5: way as well, way directly, as well. directly in directly
3: there, so you can be the, of the most strong. But if you, you eat those foods yes. and
5: incorporate them into your yes. diet, you're helping yourself. You you're helping your gut.
3: Yes, you are. But I suppose when over 10 years working in vitality centre clinics, what we saw was that there was so many people that had such levels of disturbed gut flora that it was really impacting and causing problems, bigger problems. Like when people really have issues, if they've been exposed to long term antibiotics, medications, you know, that little bit of kimchi that you take in is a little drop in the ocean in terms of what you to correct. It's more, I would say that's more of a maintenance. Okay. If you have a problem already. All right. Do you know, if you're quite healthy, it's fine. And it'll help you for sure, but it's very good to do as a maintenance. Certainly, if you can okay, correct the Okay, okay.
5: And, and you mentioned about people. You've seen this over the years from experience. Years, how thousands. health changes for people? Thousands. Mental health, physical health, all over.
3: Unbelievable, you know. And that's what that's how a designer for Brown Thomas, who was really never setting out to do this. Really, I never said. And when I started doing this first. You know, I was working in a tiny clinic. Nobody had heard of it. There was no such thing as gut health, you know, 10 years ago in Ireland when we used to send people down to get probiotics after the treatment in the chemist. They didn't have them in a lot of cases. You know, it really was a kind of a thing that people didn't know. And when I was doing it, people were going, what, the, you know, what's she doing that? What's that's mad stuff? You know, what's that all about? But really now people are beginning to realise the value of it. You know what I mean? But thousands and thousands of people who came back and said to me, this changed my life. That's really what kept me going.
5: Isn't that fantastic to you know, hear that and, and this really does make a difference. Now the fourth leg of of uh, the the uh, points you made, mm. we've been one, through one, two, three, number four I wanted to talk about and I suppose this is the biggest challenge mm. of all t- yeah. to people listening to us today, no processed foods, mm. sugars chemicals, preservatives the medications you've touched on It's mm. when you get an antibiotic it's Armageddon for this good mm. health for sure mm. And alcohol. Now (laughs) it's a tough it's a tough one, Francis. Are you saying how do we how do we avoid that, like with the way we buy and consume our foods today and the way we drink?
3: Well, there's a very easy way of doing it. I mean, there's one step. It's it's very easy. So this is step four. This is called protect. We call this step four. It's just like, let's get back to the garden again and visualize the garden. Now you've managed to get the garden fairly right. You know, it's growing up nicely. Looks good. Everything's working together. Birds are coming. You know, it's nice. So what do you do? Well, you're you're not going to really, you're going to be a bit conscientious about, like, if you don't need to take an antibiotic, if you don't need to have excess parabens in your life, you're going to be a little bit conscientious about how them like that with your garden. You if you didn't you didn't think you needed to put weed killer on it, you wouldn't. You'd be a little bit you'd say to yourself, Could I just support this garden a little bit more? Could I just give it really good fertilizer? Could I use good food to help
5: Organic, organic, <laughs> organic.
3: Yeah. And but but the thing is, if you did, so if you got exposed to a super bug or if that bad thing got into your garden, your gut garden in this, mm. of course you would take the antibiotic because mm. you must. But then you'd start the cycle again, you'd be cognizant that you actually had to get that weed out, get that, uh, replant it, re, re-sow yes. it, do all so, them things. So you're
5: not saying, and we want to say that, sometimes you, you really do. do have to oh, take an do. antibiotic because there's no way around this. Absolutely. But, you know, we, we've been told we have to look at the consumption of yeah. these and the way we're taking them aboard as a human race, yeah. and that is very important. But, you know, you talk about sugar is the other big thing today. Yeah. You know, sugar, mm-hmm. sugar is the yeah. big enemy in foods. Chemicals sure. go in, preservatives. How do you... Avoid.
3: How do you avoid these? Well, there's a very easy visual that you can have in your mind on it. I find this works very well. Studies show if you want to feed disease, give it sugar. That's its favorite food. So when you realise that you're feeding disease, and you think about sugar that way, you won't do it because it's not. It's. It, you might as well be feeding the disease, the thing it wants. That's what it wants. Candida literally lives on sugar, and it creates cravings. Another very nice visual that you can use well that's I know that 's not so nice, but it 's helpful but a good visual you can use is when you 're choosing food. life is simple we were we are simple organic creatures we are not it's not there's no labels on an apple you know if the food has no label on it it 's one step from nature you don 't need to know what 's in it it 's good you know so things like natural foods that the foods that are not prepackaged they are not going to have problems you know. Buy as close to nature as you can, and you're pretty much going to hit your targets. If yeah, some people do have problems with natural foods as well. Like we we do food intolerance testing in my clinics because sometimes the fibres in food in natural foods can aggravate the gut already. But it's when it's corrected and healed that you people can generally tolerate those things. But just as a first step, it's really you know common sense. Look, just you know, go for the food one step from nature. Water. Yeah. Fruit, Mm. vegetables, beans, lagoons, you know, as close to nature as you can get. If you're going to eat bread, choose the best bread you can. Choose pre-fermented sourdough because the gluten has been eaten up by the fermentation process. It's been pre-fermented, so it's not as bad. Be uh, conscientious about the meats that you choose, where they're coming from. How do you feel about them? You know, think about be co- be conscious of food, how you feel about it as well, because that tells you a little bit. People are actually wiser about food than mm. they know they
5: are. We are what we eat. I'm just listening. That's running around my head as you yeah. say those words. There, alcohol. What about alcohol? alcohol? I have to come to that. There is sugar and alcohol. There we is. know as well. And you mentioned about sugar. But look at for somebody who enjoys a drink,
3: <laughs> we all do. Yeah, I I have a few too. We all yes. have a few. So don't worry. couldn't <laughs> it's it okay. out
5: entirely. I, and I know the people get on in life. We do. Loads of people don't even bother, bother with a drink it. at all. Yeah. But in moderation is that what you are saying? Well, Be a bit sensible about it.
3: Sensible. I mean, it's 80-20. Okay. You know, it's eighty twenty. It's it's if you are going to go and drink alcohol, you have to remember that you are going to, you are probably going to, you know, imbalance your blood sugars the next day. So do a a reparation juice the next day you know be really good about your foods the next day give your body lots of nutrients and water the next day because alcohol strips water from your body that's one of the big problems with it in terms of gut health as well it actually is a diuretic so it does strip water from the bowel and from the gut and from the brain and that's why you get the headaches and all the different things so just be really really aware that if you're going to do that if you're going to have alcohol and stuff like that just be really caring about yourself the next day Make sure you don't go down the road of eating rubbish the next day. No, your body needs nutrient good food the next day. You need to be making soups in advance and making good stuff yourself and making, you know, so that you're not, you're helping your body to recover from uh, you know, the, the the diuretic, the dehydration effect of alcohol, the toxic effect of it. Your liver gets a kick when, you, you know, when you, it takes a lot of a, a, a bruising when you, you drink alcohol as well. So really think about how you're going to repair yourself if you're going to have alcohol. I
5: think that's great advice, you know, and, and for anybody who is listening today, what a good suggestion for the day after rather than going for the because yeah. most people go for that the big fry or yeah. you know load yourself up with the sugary stuff yeah. that's the worst thing you're saying you can do
3: Yeah because those those things are full of salt you see and you're, when you drink alcohol it strips a lot of uh, water from you and um, you know those things are not the way forward you've got to get the water into your body so Fruit, it mightn't sound, but you can make beautiful fruit dishes. You can uh, put nuts on them, grill the nuts, do yoghurts on them. You know, eat lots of food, but have you know, have good food ready and make it nice and palatable for yourself.
5: Can I ask you this? If the years have gone by and that gut and the whole internal system has been overused and abused, is it ever too late to start tackling this or correcting it?
3: No. It's never too late. If you're a well person, so the the treatments, gut health is a wellness strategy. It is about getting somebody who is feeling well but not as well as they'd like to feel and bringing them to a higher or more optimised level of wellness. So that's really what where Good Health lies. So if you're well, if you don't have any issues already, if you don't have uh, chronic, uh, you know, uh, if you don't have cancer already of the bowel, if you don't have um, colitis of the bowel, if you don't have something very serious that we couldn't work on, you can come in. If you, What's considered well, would you believe? IBS is not a sickness, It's a symptom, a bunch of symptoms that means your doctor has checked you out and has said, right, you have this bunch of symptoms that relate to your bowel and it's labeled as IBS. And very often people feel dismissed. Those people generally come. They're the kind of people who come into my clinic, IBS, constipation, bloating, you know, things that are kind of you're not quite sick, but you're not quite as well as you'd like to be.
5: I understand what you're saying. You know, Look, we have to finish up, but before we do, will you answer these few questions for me? Sure. What's the name of the bread again you recommended? There's somebody after messaging me there.
3: Sourdough is a pre-fermented uh, bread. It means that the gluten has been pre-fermented by that process and it's it's a So that's good for you.
5: Yeah. Where are your clinics? I <laughs> have several we, of them here for that. Yeah, Where we, are you? We
3: are located in on the Merion Road uh, at the moment and there's a little, we, we do a little bit in Dublin 15 as well. And on the website, what I say it's Dublin Vitality Centre.com and that has all the information Dublin Vitality Center.com and all the information. We're opening it up on Grafton Street as well as Ireland's flagship functional gut health store. Okay, next so that month. is coming so that's next coming month. The Your centre. book is yeah.
5: being launched, it's available on Amazon, Amazon at the moment. What's yeah. the
3: name of it? It's called Let's Talk About Happiness The Ultimate Guide to Functional Gut Health.
5: That's the name of the book. Well, you know what? Yeah. I've enjoyed our and conversation. Have, the, I always do. I love toilet. talking about the gossip, <laughs> Always. And we'll talk about it again, I promise <laughs> you. And I say hello to you, ma'am. I know who's yes, listening again today. To it's it. been a real pleasure to meet and you. you Thank you for dropping in to late yeah. lunch this afternoon. And we will see you again. Francis Flannery. Thanks a million.
2: Thanks a million, Jerry. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk.
5: 21st century parenting is the reason so many young people today have remarkably poor coping skills. We're not doing a good job, basically. That's according to Shane Dunphy, who's an author, broadcaster, child protection expert, and head of social studies at Waterford College of Further Education. I believe he's just stepped out from the lecture room to talk to us. Shane, good afternoon. <laughs>
1: how are you doing? I'm very. Oh, yeah, I've just, fin- just finished the class of childcare. Uh, trips, actually,
5: good man yourself. Well, that's just so timely and appropriate. Will you tell our listeners? Because I know this because I, I've read it. You had a light bulb moment in the park recently I with your did. grandson.
1: I did. Um, I brought my grandson Reese to the park a few Sundays ago, and it's the same park that I used to play in when I was a kid of his age. Um, now Reese is five, um, so I mean, I would have been going there from you know the age of sort of three or four when you're able to kind of climb up the slide yourself up to when I suppose kids stop wanting to go to parks to play on the uh, amusements Mm. so I was there with him and um, I think he was on the roundabout or something and I looked around And I suddenly had one of these moments where I saw myself and my mates kind of, you know, about probably the age of about eight or nine in my head and were playing in the park. And I suddenly realised that there would have been one major difference when we were kids. And that difference would have been that there wouldn't have been very many adults around. We would have strolled down to the park, which was a little distance away from where we lived ourselves. And any adults that were there probably wouldn't have been near us. They would have been sitting on the benches watching us from a distance, probably smoking cigarettes or whatever while they did so. Whereas the park When I was there that Sunday a couple of weeks ago, the children that were there all had an adult following them around as they went around on the amusements. Some adults literally had their hands resting on a child's arm or back or, was kind of, or were gripping them by the back of their, their hoodies or their anoraks in case they fell or took a tumble or in case many of these kids seemed to be having difficulties climbing up the climbing frame or were a bit nervous going up and down the slide. Um, and the parents were there hovering around just in case anything was to happen. And I realized I was doing exactly the same thing with my grandson,
5: oh, Shane. You know, oh, i was my. Doing
1: exactly the same thing, and I, you know, and this is what we call helicopter parenting, which is a particular type or style of parenting that was identified. Initially, as as far back as the 1960s, but probably came into prominence in the early 2000s, late 1990s, early 2000s. It would have been identified by a psychologist called Foster Klein. That he was working with teenagers in crisis, and he reported the teenager he was working with describing his parents hanging in the air over him like helicopters. And he reported that he felt smothered and helpless by their crushing kind of love and protection. And I suddenly thought, oh, my gosh, you know, am I doing this to my grandson? And are all these parents doing this to their kids? And I felt a little bit guilty, but also kind of a little bit, well, you know, what if he did fall? Yeah. You know? yeah, what would? Because I mean, I'm a granddad, so I have the wonderful experience. I mean, I have a great relationship, obviously, with my with my grandson's mother. She's a Rachel. She's a wonderful person, but and we, we were really good mates. But at the same time, if I sent him home with a black eye because he'd fallen off the uh, off the slide and landed on his face, which you know, kids of four and five will do what would she think? You know, particularly me, I'm supposed to be, a, you know, I'm supposed to know about these things. Um, it would be a little bit embarrassing.
5: Yeah, but you know what? Yes. You know what would yeah. happen? She would, I'm sure, because the, the thing is, it, it, she's from probably a different generation. You know, she was reared herself at a different time and maybe it was a little looser because you're talking about intense parenting here. But here's what I want to know from from you and mm. uh, or, or your expertise. Where has this come from? What is driving this?
1: We live in a world in which we know an awful lot more than we used to about the dangers that are out there. When, when I, I mean, I'm 46, right? So when I was a kid, I would walk from my house... Now, this is going to sound like a typical old man, you know, <laughs> when I was a young father, oh, besides the telephone booth. But I used to walk from my house about a mile down to school with my friends. And we did that from third class, so about eight or nine years of age, right up to the point where we hit sixth class. And then the second school was a little bit closer. But there was never any question of us being accompanied by a parent. Um, my daughter went to school directly behind, just behind our house. I always used to say we could have just chucked her over the ditch and she would have been in the school. Never during any of her primary school years did she walk to school herself. She was either driven or accompanied by somebody during that entire time. Now, the reasons for that, and I talked to my wife about this when I was writing the article, the reasons for that were, number one, the road is quite dangerous. The traffic is colossal, shooting up and down at speed, and, you know, difficult to cross the road. Um, for a small child. But also, of course, we now know about potential predators and potential risks, that there are, unfortunately, bad people out there who might be keeping an eye out for an unaccompanied child. And we don't want to expose our kids to that. Now, I've written before as well about, you know, how do we educate our children about these things and how do we empower them so that they're able to deal with issues like that when they come up but it is still a fear that parents have we're just much more aware of the pitfalls and the risks and the dangers that our children can be exposed to so are you saying to me shane
5: are you saying to me then that i have fear written on my page here would you believe in front of me because it all points to that but are you saying then that there's no choice here that we have to be helicopter parents today
1: no i'm not at all i am not at all um I asked this to a group of students recently, a group of mature students, many of whom are mothers or dads. I said, how many of your kids climb trees on a regular basis? When I was a kid, that was my favorite thing in the world, was climbing a tree. And most of them admitted that very few of their kids ever did. You know, how many of them would climb up on the wall outside your house and balance along as if they're on a tightrope? All of my mates used to do that. I'm sure you did yes, as well. Yes. How many of them would do that? How many of your kids would regularly have scuffed knees when I was a kid, my knees never were without scabs In on bits. them, because we were always falling off things. <laughs> and that was part and parcel of growing up. Yeah. You fell down, you picked yourself up again, and you got on with it. Kids these days don't have that experience. How many parents, for example, when their children start toddling around the living room, you know, the kids, when they begin walking, they hold on to the furniture, and and they fall on their bums, and they've got nappies on, so it, it doesn't hurt them. But how many kids, when they start doing that now, have a parent? So it begins right at that point, a parent wandering along beside them with the arms out in case they fall. The fact of the matter is, part of the developmental process that we all go through is you fall down, and you learn to pick yourself up. And that is so important for the life skills that we need as we get older. I teach college, as we've already been discussing, and the students that I deal with, the youngest were likely to get, that would be rare enough, would be 16, but mostly they're 17, 18, and upwards. The number of students that I deal with on a daily basis, I'm not talking about a weekly basis, I'm talking about a daily basis, that are going through stresses and traumas and crises for no obvious reason other than the normal milestones that everybody goes through. They're stressed out about their assignment work. They're stressed out about exams. The number of students who come to me because they've just broken up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they can't cope with the emotional upheaval of that is frightening. Again, in my day, you broke up with a girlfriend, you'd you'd take to your bedroom for a couple of days and listen to miserable music, and then you'd go back out and deal with the world again. But these days, normal issues and obstacles like that young people are having difficulty with. We talk about resilience in psychology, the capacity to cope with the normal problems that you come across on a daily basis. An awful lot of young people are having difficulties dealing with that, and I believe it stems back to the fact that when they were small, and they fell over, somebody was there to pick them up. They weren't expected to do it for themselves. And the figurative, the symbolic falling over of, I've broken up with my girlfriend, I haven't done well in this assignment, I've got an exam coming up and I'm panicking, that I don't know what I need to know for that. Kids are not able to cope with the normal failures that all of us have to deal with. And that's worrying, because what's going to happen when they leave college or when they leave the safe you know, the safe nest of being at home and they're out in the workplace where they're dealing with real obstacles and real problems. And there isn't going to be a mommy or a daddy or a teacher who's there to help them. And I think that we as parents do need to seriously think about that.
5: I think the words "let them fall," and I think that just sums it up. Don't fall anywhere, you just stay there a minute, will you? I have to take I'm a right short here, break, right and we're going to talk helicopter parenting. I'm in conversation with Shane Dunphy this afternoon. I message in to say, "Oh my God, Jerry, isn't that man just a rock a sense? What a brilliant conversation you're having! Thank you indeed for that. Keep your messages coming to us. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text, Shane you mentioned it there in the conversation when you were growing up and I'm a bit before you again and we used to go off in the daytime I know when we're on holidays summer days and we mightn't come back till nightfall and my mother didn't know where we were
1: oh yeah I mean I I actually posted a thing on social media a little while ago my, my brother sadly passed away last April and um I, I shared a story on social media about a bunch of us deciding to go for a walk one afternoon and, and heading off and uh not arrive, you know, would have been about two o'clock in the afternoon when we left and we arrived back sometime around six or seven that evening, that they'd started wondering where we'd all gone to because we would have been maybe eight or nine years of age. But um, yeah, I mean, it was a lovely sunny day and off we went and we just kept on walking until we got where we thought we were going and then we came back and yeah, our parents were annoyed when we got back. Why didn't you tell us? But they hadn't exactly since had a search party <laughs> or called the guards, whereas now you know, that would be that would there'd be an APB put out on us, you know, that, they, that, <laughs> yes. they, that the, the police would be looking. Um, you know, in, in some ways, I think we've 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 gone backwards. And in some ways, I think childhood has become, I think for children, childhood has become a much scarier place. Children are are worried and nervous about things now that they wouldn't have been. But that said, we also deal in a world which is much bigger than it was when you and I were small. And I think that social media and the Internet are a part of that. If you think about the study that was done last week in which we learned that 80% of, of of children, you know, between the ages of 8 and 10 are using smart devices and are using the Internet on a regular basis. I think the statistic was 40% are talking to strangers online on a daily basis through games and various other things that they're doing. Kids have access to things that we didn't have access to. And they're open to information that we didn't have. I mean, children are becoming sexualized at a much, much younger age. Um, When My my daughter's 20 now, but I remember when she was about 10, I finished up from work a little bit early. And um, and I normally wouldn't have been at home at about 4 o'clock in the evening, but this afternoon I was. And I was reading a book in the living room, and she was watching TV. And I remember she was watching the music channels, and I looked up at the television screen and suddenly, what looked like a, a soft porn movie was on. I thought, oh my God, what's that? And I realized it was a music video. And I kind of said to her, Marnie, what are you watching? And she said, oh, and she mentioned the artist. And the particular thing that she'd been watching clicked off and it was something else. And I kind of said, okay, and I looked up again about five minutes later and what was on was even worse and I made her change the channel, but do you remember like the 9 o'clock watershed that yes. used to be on? So you knew that any program that was on TV after 9 o'clock was probably unfit for general, what we would call mixed viewing. In other words, it could have maybe some sex scenes or a bit of bad language or a bit of graphic violence. Because of the fact that we now have satellite TV and programs are being beamed from all different parts of the world, that 9 o'clock watershed doesn't exist. So you can get quite adult material being played on TV at all hours of the day and night. And of course, television on demand, the internet, Netflix, all of these things. Kids can have access to anything at any hour of the day. So children are much more aware of things that we wouldn't have been either. So the world is just more complicated than it once was, and I think the choices that parents have are much broader as well. I mean, when my mother was rearing us, she had a, what was it, the Doctor Spock child rearing manual in the house, and that was what she used. Whereas now you can go on to a hundred different websites to tell you a hundred different ways of weaning your child from, from from the breast or the bottle onto solid food, and all of them disagree and conflict with one another. So it's it's con- fusing for parents. So, I, I mean, I do feel sympathy. I mean, the class that I was just having before I came out to talk to you, we were talking about the, um, the Children First Act and the fact that it, is, that it is now illegal for parents to slap their children. I mean, this is only since 2015 that it is now really firmly illegal for a parent to do that. Uh, but as I always say, you know, you tell a parent now it's not all right to slap your child if they're bold, but what are they supposed to do instead are we giving them options are we educating parents on what else they're supposed to do to make their kids do the right thing so it's 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 a it's a scary new world out there for everyone
5: no the world you talk about, there's the physical world and what I call that alter world, the social media is the one, yeah. they, the term they use. And listening to you there now, I, I've come to sort of two conclusions. In the real world, give children a bit more slack, let them fall, give them some latitude. But really, you're saying in that other world, that's maybe where we need to concentrate to become more helicopter parents.
1: I think you're absolutely right. Um Around the same time that my brother died a few years back, I unsmarted myself. I made the decision to get rid of my smartphone. And the phone that I'm talking to you on now, it rings and texts and that's it. It doesn't do anything else. Because for me, um, I mean, being an author and all the different things that I do, um, you know, if I were available 24 hours a day, I'd never get a moment's peace. And it was really funny when I got rid of the smartphone. It was like someone had just turned the volume down. The world became kind of quieter and stiller and much more comfortable um, for an awful lot of young people out there I mean and I saw an ad for this on TV the other evening I mean you know kind of the the, the, the world of 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 their friends and of, of social media and, and bullying and stuff like that. You know, there was a time when if you were being picked on at school, you'd go home and you were in a different space and you didn't need to worry about that. For kids now, the bullying is going on online and it's constant and they can't get away from it. I believe that it is our responsibility as parents to guide our children through the terrible maze that is the online world. Now, we, we talk about privacy. Our children are entitled to privacy. You know, I think if you've got a kid that has a smartphone, I think it's perfect, you are perfectly within your rights to say, okay, I reserve the right to do spot checks on what's going on. You know, I, ca- I can take your phone or ask to see your phone every now and again, have a look at, at text messages, have a look at your, your internet history, see what social media sites you're on. And I think we have a responsibility to do that. Um, the, the, the example that I always give is, would you think that it would be okay for your eight-year-old to have access to a firearm? Absolutely unsupervised not. Access? Unsupervised, absolutely. This is it. You see, a firearm is something which is potentially lethal and which could do your child an awful lot of damage. So is the internet. Would you think that it's okay for your eight or nine or 10-year-old to have unsupervised access to a motor vehicle? Similarly, you wouldn't. There's ages and there's restrictions put around those things, why then do we not put similar restrictions around our, our young people's access or usage of the internet? Because the internet can be potentially life-threatening as well. The risks that are out there in every conceivable front, whether we're talking about predators that are looking for sexual access to your children, whether your children are being exposed to all sorts of dangerous or violent imagery, even political extremism. I'm not saying every child is going to be wandering onto those kind of websites, but nevertheless, that's where an awful lot of kids find themselves in contact with those types of quite dangerous people. I just think we need to be taking much more of of a firm line on that. And uh, there's an awful lot of parents out there that tell me that they don't fully understand, that the world that's out there, they they don't even grasp it themselves. They don't know what's out there because... You know, every parent is not necessarily online and every parent doesn't necessarily have a a, a heavy web presence. But we need to be educating ourselves. We need to make ourselves understand what it is that our kids are going going into. My grandson's able to do stuff with the remote control for our TV that I'm not able to do. <laughs> Tell and me about five. it. He's <laughs> five. Um, so, so what what could he do with a smartphone? I, yeah. I don't even want to think about it.
5: No, no, you speak absolute sense there. I've just, less than a minute before I have to take the news bulletin and the sport, but in that last minute, can you just address this briefly if you could for me? If you have... Uh, a young person in their late teens, early 20s or whatever, who have poor coping skills and little resilience and the damage is done. What can you do?
1: Um, I'm a big believer in therapy. I'm a big believer in therapy. Um, as someone who's been involved in child protection most of my adult life, um, there have been times when I've gone a therapist just to kind of top up and and, you know if I'm not feeling great in myself and I don't think that there's any shame in that and I think if you've got someone in their late teens who has poor coping skills and is just finding the um, ups and downs of everyday life really tough finding the right therapist for them can be you know can make a huge change in their life a safe space where they can talk about their fears and explore what are the challenges that they're facing? Also, as parents, just accepting, you know, just sitting down and saying, okay, look, you're stressed and you're upset. I understand, let's talk about it. Let's talk it through what are your fears, what are you afraid of? And actually even just breaking down the different things that are causing them problems. Okay, so you're worried about this exam coming up. What are you afraid of? What can we do to try and help, that, help you deal with that? Simply breaking each job down into manageable chunks setting goals, setting deadlines, planning things out. Because sometimes things can just appear insurmountable But when you actually sit down and look at it step by step. Suddenly, things aren't quite as scary as they could be anymore. Shane, and that's the kind of coping skills we all we all should yeah, have.
5: Yeah, I, And look, I have to say, I could talk to you on forever. To be honest, Richard, you. you've been absolutely you've been absolutely brilliant. One of the best I've ever spoken to uh, oh, on, on the topic much. matter today. And I, I hope to talk to you again down the road, absolutely. Shane. Thank you very much indeed for joining me on the show.
1: Not at all. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take
5: care. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're with late lunch on LMFM radio this Friday afternoon. Rosaline Gallagher with us, top of the show, telling us the story of the raw sewage in the stream and Kells and her animals. Well, she has to take water to them every single day. Uh, We have had many calls on this one, among some of the comments we've received. If I were her, I'd sue the county council, says a caller. Not that easy, I'd say, but uh, thank you indeed for the comment. Frank was on to say, The council are a joke. We were destroyed as well in business, and they did nothing to help us. Rosaline is 100% right. Philip was in touch with me to say the EPA will do nothing if our experience is anything to go by. Keep shouting, Rosaline, and so on, and so on they go. I do hope that the council and Irish Water get to that and sort it out and make it right. Uh, it's not right uh, what's happening there uh, for Rosaline and her uh, stock on the land as well. Uh, Louise, you're after knocking a rainforest, I'm going to tell you.
7: <laughs> did. I just pressed print and didn't press for pages. <laughs>
5: Karen's come in from reception, <laughs> folks, and I'm not joking yet. I never saw such a pile of paper. There's a tree gone in here this afternoon. I'll plant tree in a And it she's late. the for it. Somewhere. <laughs> never mind the new cartridge that's needed for the printer. The smoke is coming out of it. Oh, my God, no need. <laughs>
7: I have writing paper for the week. <laughs>
5: Or the month. <laughs> anyway, of all the posted notes and ending to go by, there was another three knocks <laughs> during the week. But that's for another day in a different story. Oh, Shane Dunphy, wasn't he terrific? He Honest was amazing. God, I was hanging on every word he had to say. I think there, I'd bring him home you, with you, me. You, you, have three of them. Are, are you helicopter? Are you half helicopter? Are you? You, you give them freedom. <sighs>
7: um, I have to say, the first I was a real helicopter parent. Um, in fact, I probably nearly. Killed him with the amount of layers and coats and everything I'd put on him. No, you can't. You get a cold in your belly. Um, And, you know, thinking back, I have scars and face and, you know, you get galvanised sheets and you'd put them up for makeshift slides and you'd fall off and you'd split the head of yourself or whatever.
5: When you were a youngster.
7: When I was a youngster. But now if my child did it, I'd be, like I said to you earlier, I'd be praying the rosary Mm. or something for, like I couldn't watch.
5: But you mentioned the first one, Cole, as you went on then, are you less helicopter when you've been through a second one and a third child.
7: I think by the third you kind of, they raise themselves, (laughs) don't they? (laughs) Or you hope they do.
4: I
5: remember remember Liam Manningham, he's listening today, I worked with Liam in in, uh, Telecom, Aircom what a great fellow and uh, Liam had two sets of twin girls but when he had one of them I remember he was asked one day at work, you know, did they be up much at night or did they cry? He says, I haven't a clue. We put them at the far end of the bungalow, lock the door and arrive in the morning to it's the other up. end of it, isn't it? <laughs> and you know the monitors today and watching them and all that goes on. But I, I think that, that to come out of the conversation, two things: cut them a bit of slack in the as they go about their their lives, do, and let them take the bumps and the knocks because it'll make yeah, them resilient yeah. later on, physically and mentally. You have to take them in both aspects. Don't be running in to fight the corner when there's a squabble going on on the street or things like but
7: that. On the other side of that, Cherry, as well, and just mention it that in certain schools as well you're not allowed to play underarm tag or you're not allowed to play Mm. certain games that we all grew up with just in case anybody fell and hurt themselves
5: so there's that aspect to it as well the litigation and Mm. the claiming and I understand that as well but we have to cut them a bit more slack on on that side of things I, I firmly believe that but certainly on this other thing this social media That children as young as Ada Shane was saying can access this stuff anywhere in the world at any time of day. That's where the policing is needed by parents and everybody else. Have you ever been to Zumba?
7: No, but I'd loved her.
5: Well, you better stay with us on late lunch and you better listen, Louise Waltz, because I'm going to check in on a Zumba class and lose weight and feel great with Siobhan O'Neill White after the break. I suppose you're wondering what's happening on late lunch this Friday afternoon. Have we gone all tropical and continental? Well, we sort of have because I've arrived out in Integral Fitness and Leisure in Betty's Town because Siobhan O'Neill-White... And her mum, Margaret, are mm-hmm. just coming to the end of a Zumba session. Yeah. You are sweating buckets today, aren't you?
8: Thank God it's radio. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thank God this is not live on TV. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I sweat more in Zumba than anything else I do. now. But the other training is harder. For me, this is fun. And I loved it so much last week that I brought my mum today because she, lo- she loves everything Spanish. She loves all this kind of music, and she, we were coming up the stairs and she was going, I'm going to kill you, I'm not going to be able for this. And Beata, the instructor is there. How did my mum do
4: today? Oh, she was absolutely brilliant, and every step, you know, from kind of that age, is amazing. She was flying, and even when I show me the easy way, she always you know, pick up the hardest way. So, bravo, bravo, congratulations,
5: <laughs> Beata. Will you explain to listeners? I know a lot of people understand what zumba is, but quite a few wouldn't know what we're talking about. What is zumba? Uh,
4: actually, the, the the big meaning of the zumba is the absolutely good fun. But you know, if you have good fun, you absolutely forgot how hard you're working. And that's the more important thing, you know. With the good fun, you have very amazing results. So, if you like dancing, then the Zumba is for you. If you like good fun, the Zumba is for you.
5: Okay, so it's the combination of having fun, dancing, and getting that exercise in at the same time.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. Because if we have a good fun, so we working very hard, we absolutely sweat. But we not focus on the, you know, on the um, on the hard work when we sweat. So, at the end, just classes, we find out that we absolutely, you know, working very hard. But we didn't recognize in the classes. That's the, you know, amazing thing. That's the, that's the fruits of the zumba classes.
5: It's psychology as well, isn't it? It really absolutely. is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Clever, very, very clever. Fran Manish. Was not a sign of a grain of sweat on you. You look so calm and collected. You didn't do the class, did you? Uh,
2: bon dia, uh, Hola, <laughs> qué tal? Um, I'll just ignore that question. Isn't? Can't you just hear the energy in Beata's voice? I can't. Like, who wouldn't want to do her class? Seriously, uh, and you know she's saying there about if you're having fun, you'll give it. Of course, a hundred percent. Like you're doing moves. If you do them right, if you do them wrong, it doesn't matter. You're still moving. You're still having fun. And these two ladies this morning have loved it. And I actually was here in person. Supervising. (laughs) Supervising, (laughs) I take it. How long does
5: the session last? How long does a Zumba class Uh, last? That class
2: lasts for 45 minutes. So you have about three to four minutes of a warm-up. And then it goes straight into riba-riba. Let's move our hips. And then you have a little cool down at the end. Another five minutes or so. Yeah, great.
5: This week, Siobhan, down a half pound again. So eight pounds down in total at the halfway mark. She had to be a little disappointed with the half pound in the context of how well she did the previous weeks and what the weigh-in said for others on the night. But you're talking about this plateau week for her. Explain that.
2: Yes, so basically our bodies start to get used to what we're doing. If you're eating the same things all the time, if you're training the same way all the time, yes, it's going to hit a, a wall. I was disappointed a little bit for Siobhan. Was I disappointed? Overall, no. Siobhan had probably one of her toughest weeks, as in what she put in last week. She did fantastically so what we're doing this week is we're changing around her eating plan a little bit and just taking in a few things uh taking them away adding a few things in and just looking at the way we're eating the times and stuff like that um yeah it's going to be interesting and it'll just rejig her metabolism i'm hoping so
5: tweaking is what you're doing really this week because we know she's putting in the effort we know she's doing the exercise so uh when we weigh at the beginning of next week it's going to be down,
2: down for this woman. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And no pressure, Sean. Yeah, no pressure scary.
8: at all. Hashtag no pressure there. Um, but I do have to say, I am a woman and I have monthly cycles. And that happened to arrive this week. And I'm probably thinking that had something to do with it because I know I put in a great week. But that's the that's the reality of being a woman. We have to deal with cycles and hormones where guys don't. So it can be a little bit harder for us at certain times. But I'm not deterred at all. I'm after sweating myself silly and. This class, and uh, I think you should get a word in with my mum because she has done brilliantly here this morning. She came here to support me, she didn't think she could do the class part. I know today. the
5: support you're getting yes. at home from your children, your husband, and your extended family, yes. and your mammy, Margaret, as well.
8: Margaret, fair
5: juicy. to you. You've just put in 45 minutes here. And let me tell you, you're looking as cool as a cucumber. Well, well
7: I'm still standing. That's the main thing. <laughs> I'm not in A&E yet. I'm OK. Did you enjoy it? I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was brilliant. And I'd recommend any woman, any age to come. I mean, I'm 66 in April, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I think I kept up with the class anyway. So I'd advise any woman, no matter what age you are, come along. It's
5: brilliant. Have you ever zumba before?
7: No, never. It's my first time. <laughs>
5: Well, you can make a wish now. And I'll tell you one thing, I think you're somebody that'll be back again from what you oh, said I'll there. Oh, I'll be
7: back next week without a doubt. Well done yes, to you. Right. Yeah.
5: What about this wonderful daughter She's of fantastic. yours?
7: She's fantastic. She's such a busy mom own business four children she's never stops never stops and I'm very proud of her she's doing great she's going great
5: guns isn't she she is
7: absolutely I don't know how she's fitting it all in she's so busy she really is she's brilliant
5: (laughs) give a busy woman a task I've always said it about Siobhan O'Neill White. heading into the weekend now and onto the scales on Monday you're quite confident you're going to knock a few more pounds this week your stone is the target you're eight pounds down on the halfway mark last week so you're ahead
8: I'm doing listen I'm doing well eight pounds is after three weeks is brilliant. That's amazing. As I said, that weighs more than my, my biggest child that I gave birth, so that's good. Um, and like I say, this week is that time when i knew it was going to be a tough week for me with my hormones and all that kind of stuff but it's okay that is part of life and there's no point in being upset or disappointed because i'm not because i know the work that i'm putting in i haven't touched a drink i haven't touched a bar of chocolate crisps i've i've been really good with my diet and exercise and really like fran and guy are both really inspiring me here i'm in betty's town most days i have two trainers constantly spying if one's not looking the other one is um and they're watching me and helping me and literally i will ask like i said to fran last night what can we do a little bit differently just tell me what to do and i'll do it because i obviously want to get the best result i know people are following me and i'm writing my diaries on mams.e and stuff so whatever i'm doing other people are doing so i want to give it my best shot
5: We understand that and that you do as well. And you are typical, as your mum said there, of a mum, of a busy mum trying to work, run a home, and then we ask you for six weeks to bust a gut for us. But you're enjoying this, aren't you? I
8: am. I say week one, I I would think I was in shock, you know, because it's a big shock to go from Christmas eating all the crisps and chocolates and everything to just really healthy food. And week one was tough. Week two was really tough. I was sticking to everything, and I think I, the sugar might have been leaving my system. I might have been a bit crabby. Um, and when I got onto the scales at the end of week two, I was properly nervous. You know, I was really, really nervous. So to be seven and a half pounds down after two weeks, I was chuffed. And then I think I actually put in a better week in week three. I actually worked harder because I've got used to it, and my energy levels are up. So I, I worked more physically hard in week three I pushed harder weights um, so I'm expecting hoping for a good result uh, next Monday I really really am fingers crossed
5: you will get it Fran final word to yourself uh, about Siobhan and well done to our mum again fantastic you were here watching them in action
2: I was indeed I took a little video as well I don't know if we'll be able to put that out oh, but please uh, I'll, do, yeah. I'll, I'll check with, with the two ladies and see
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll have no objection to that. So look, steady as she goes into the second part of the programme now, the first week of the second half of Lose Weight and Feel Great. Are you confident this woman is going to hit that stone?
2: Yeah, I, I, Oh, no, No shadow of a doubt. Um, so as I said already, uh, we're changing up her food for next week. Um, it will be a little bit stricter, but I can guarantee you she will enjoy what she's eating. It's not all horrible. Um, it's actually, It's actually quite quite nice it's just kind of using uh, ingredients like spices and herbs and garlic and stuff like that that will add flavor but it will be simple type of eating um but she is working as hard as she can in the gym I don't know if she can work any harder she's, asked, she's really doing 100% there so it'll, it's mainly going to be the, the food end of things we're going to change
5: I see that she's heading for a shower now straight away after that <laughs> real exertion of a yeah. session there well look thank you to Margaret uh, for the kind words for our daughter today to you Fran Manish a personal trainer to Siobhan O'Neill-White and we'll mention Guy Bates involved as well wish you all well and we'll see you on the scales in it on Monday is that ok? Muchas gracias
2: Viva!
3: <laughs> tan <laughs> <laughs> y casi de amor cuando la veo late mi corazón morena hermosa
1: dame.
5: I must give that old Zumba lash myself some time. Anyway, best of luck over the weekend to Donal Ann, Alan and Siobhan. They're going great guns. Scales Monday reveal here on Late Lunch on Tuesday afternoon. That's a lot for today and another week. My big thanks to my producer Louise Walsh to all our guests on the show this week and you are listeners who join us every single day. We do appreciate it. Eddie's up next with The Drive. See you all on Monday please God at half one.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk.
6: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.